What's up, everyone? Welcome to Right Hook, Left Jaw. I'm Realtor Boss. I'm here with Who's Meach and Miss Jordan, my wonderful co-host. How's it going, guys? It's going okay. I'm excited to talk about the stuff that we got going for today. Good, good. So I want I want to hear your thoughts, guys. I'm hot with what's going on in the streets right now in our country. And I'm not only just hot about what's happening, I'm hot about people seeming to not being willing to like judge things fairly and righteously. So first and foremost, we have uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, I think I'm saying it correctly, who actually um, got into a skirmish and ended up killing a couple of protesters and rioters. Um, you know, protesting and rioting is relative these days, whether or not you're listening to CNN or, or people who tell the truth. And um, he killed two guys. I watched it from so many different angles, been watching different people with different takes every day. Looks like pure self-defense to me. And even the question about him having a rifle that he shouldn't have, um, you guys can fill in the gaps if you like, um, is still is inconsequential if he was attacked first. And if he was attacked first, thank God he had the rifle because who knows what would have happened. Otherwise, uh, what do you guys think? So, yeah, this is a very interesting story because, you know, we've seen these pictures coming out of Kenosha, Wisconsin, I believe. Is that right? Wisconsin? Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, there were these videos going viral of these people torching, like, car locks. And, and that's where you yeah. have you know, flames behind that Black Lives Matter billboard, which was just, like, the perfect image for 2020 of the destruction perfect. that has come from all of these riots and the social justice movement. And so a few days into that, you have this um, young man and you see him on video and he's shooting people and they're dying. And um, uh, the story's going viral of you know him being this white supremacist kid. And um, the more I look into it, I'm not seeing that about him. I'm seeing this kid that seems to be in some sort of different like uh, law enforcement training programs for high school students and he's like a lifeguard and he's in Kenosha cleaning up uh, uh, vandalism and graffiti and stuff and uh, he brings his first aid kit and he says I'm here to help people who are hurt and I also have this gun to protect from businesses and um, the story that's going on about this kid seems completely opposite from yeah. you know, who he is. Now, of course, more information can always come out, but I don't like that just because he's a white kid with a gun, he's automatically a white supremacist. Right. And I think, you know, Christian, we've seen this uh, happen that, you know, the story comes out and I think you always need to give a 48 hour rule, 72 hour rule for the mm -hmm. other info to come out. Um, end up looking foolish. And we've seen this with all these different sorts of, um, you know, gun deaths or, you know, these crimes and stuff, and then more information comes out, and the people who jump to conclusions, they never retract, they never go back and say, oh, I was incorrect on that point, right. and um, you end up being someone who spreads falsehoods and slander, and uh, that's not a good look. Right, that, that's been one of the most frustrating things for me, Meech, and tell me what you think, because you and I, we, we do battle on well all of us actually do battle online but you and i uh, are in the christian hip-hop community and so we have a, a couple of the conversations at the same time on telegram sometimes and one of the things that's been burning me up 
the most lately is that, you know, there's, there's opinion and there's fact. This, this is a simple truth of reality. Like, here's what I think about it, and here's something that I can prove demonstrably. And I, I'm just becoming, like, almost, like, amazed. And I have a tremendous amount of, like, righteous indignation that there's some things that you can, like, show people. Believers, this is happening. Put it in their face. Hey, listen, I understand why you think that way or why you see it this way. However, here's something that proves and debunks what you're saying. And I'm just encountering so many who claim to be believers that doesn't that seem to have any sort of conviction about spreading something that's false about Trump or about Republicans or about white evangelicals or whomever. And it's it's really it's really angering and disheartening uh, to see that people name the name of the Lord and you can say, hey, well, listen, I hear you. You don't got to like the guy. But here, just an example here. What you said is not true. What do you think? Yeah. And they don't have any sense of a, a duty or need to acknowledge that. What's going on or, here? Or, yeah, or detract statements. Um, they run much with the mob um, of the left and the narratives, uh, catching the George Zimmerman um, syndrome where you automatically assume somebody is, is something based on how you profile them. Mm-hmm. When you look at the individual, the 17-year-old, um, and Jordan made a good point, he was automatically a white supremacist. What have you heard? What have you seen that proves that? It's the same thing that happened when you looked at young Trayvon Martin, and because he had a hoodie on and because he looked a certain way, then all that's a thug needs to be dealt with or needs to be handled. Um, So I see a lot of Christians, you know, just not being balanced, not letting the scales um, of righteous um, balance and scales be the uh, mindset in which they move and operate because race is involved. And once race involved, people become rational. It's the same thing that we talked about before in another episode where in the early 1600s when race was created and blackness was created, um, people in Africa would tell you, uh, you know, they don't, what is black? You know what I'm saying? But when blackness was created, they formed opinions based on someone's color um, specifically because of the color of their skin and made assumptions about their character and their, even their ability to be redeemed because of their skin. And we're seeing the same things now. And Christians are buying into this. You can prove, you can say things like, okay, well, how do you know he's a white supremacist? He's a white supremacist. Does any of the context matter? And a lot of times it doesn't. It doesn't to them because feelings override facts and objectivity. Right. I've, I've, had, I've had pastors cuss me out over my opinion. Um, you guys have seen me dialogue with people. It very rarely has it ever, I, I can't think of one time where it ever descended into like, outright disrespect and it didn't end on good terms, even if it gets heated, right? I've had pastors cut me out, cuss me out. There's this one uh, brother down here. Uh, he brought another pastor to me. And, and the pastor wanted to meet a black man who's from the hood that supports Trump. And I said, okay, sure. Like, I'm, I'm down. Like, this is this is about truth. Like, I don't I, I don't feel any type of way. I, I want people to at least understand. I'm always willing to give an account for what I believe. Pastor sits down on the Zoom meeting Pastor has about three or four pieces of paper and starts going. And after we exchanged niceties or whatever, it was very cordial. He says, I got about 20 things that Trump has said and done, and I just want to see how you account for this. Listen, as God, I don't listen, my yes is my yes and my no is my no. As God, this brother's still on the internet, so you might see this, who knows. As God is my witness, I debunk one through 11, at least nine or 11. Point after point after point. I'm talking straight falsehood, right? 
And some of them were just things where, well, hey, is it possible that it could be this? And he would say, okay, well, I, I, I didn't think about that. And I'm like, yeah, you have to consider that this is what was going on at the time. Objectivity. So, mm -hmm. Objectivity. Like, okay, well, you know, uh, 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 whether it, here's, the, here's the point, though. At the end of the conversation on the Zoom meeting, the guy is a, this is a pastor. Right? He's in the neighborhoods, racial justice. He's doing marches and all of that. At the end of the conversation, he says, well, he puts the paper away at like 9, 10, 11. I don't remember. Somewhere in there. He had 20 points. And he says, well, you know what? Um, I don't think we need to keep going through all of this. I'm, I'm going to just tell you, I just really don't like you. I said, that's cool. Yeah. I said, I can actually respect that. Um, yeah. But you not liking him doesn't change the truth about certain things. If you don't like right. him, let it, let it be because of what you really understand. Don't let it be because of falsehood. Yeah. And I thought it was like a really like decent exchange. Um, he said he respected me, you know what I mean? That I was, you know, competent, I had my facts straight, all of this kind of stuff. And then went away and told somebody that I didn't like myself as a black man. And then he wow. hit my in, and then online, he put up something false again about Trump. And I thought we were like, cool. I, yeah, I didn't yeah. respect it, but I hit him, I said, yo, you know this isn't true, right? Or something, I said, you know, this is pretty ignorant, bro. Like, this is not the truth. He inboxed this pat and the, again, I just sunned this pastor, to be honest. Yeah. And I didn't rub it in his face because yeah. on the exchange, I was actually excited that he respected where I was coming from. I didn't rejoice like I caught a W. I thought it was fellowship. Man, this dude inboxed me and talks about I'm riding Trump's nuts. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. I, I didn't know what happened, to be honest. This is a pastor, an active practicing pastor. And, um, you know, it, it's just, I don't know, like, I used to laugh so much. At, I used to roll my eyes so hard and laugh when people used to use Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah. So, but there is something that does seem to be making people act incredibly irrational about this man. You yeah, know, the celebrity, right, the, the celebrity status and the exaltation of a politician or a celebrity, that's not new. They do it with Obama, they do it with Clinton, they do it with 50 Cent, they do it with Jay-Z and Beyonce. Like, that's the normal part. But this irrational hatred um, about Trump, is, it's just very interesting and different. Yeah. That's how you know some of this is so spiritual, you know? Because it doesn't make any natural sense when you no, can not rational information, facts, truth, and people are still like, no. Or, you know, we've talked so many times about the fine people hoax. You can have people watch the video for right. themselves, read the transcript, and they'll still tell you that he called you know, neo-Nazis, very fine people. So you know that some of this is just way bigger. And I mean, I, I think so much of this is spiritual. We have individuals rioting in the streets, calling for murdering our president, calling for murdering regular people. I mean- Murdering police. Like if you don't believe in, you know, demonic activity, watch some of these riots and how these people behave. Does that look normal to you? <laughs> like there's something going on there. Um, with the Kyle Rittenhouse stuff, you know, and Nisha, I want to hear your opinion on this too. You know, I was going uh, back and forth on Twitter with a theologian, a professor of religion at King's College, Dr. Anthony Bradley. And, you know, on the very first day of that story, he started tweeting about this young man is an instigator of mayhem who yeah. drove across state lines to basically, you know, murder people. And I yeah. presented him with information that, that shows that this kid was actually in Kenosha that day. So he never came across state lines, actually. 
he didn't bring a gun across state lines. He was given this gun by this friend of his in uh, the community to help defend himself. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I present him with this information. And I say, you know, all he comes back with is, well, he's not allowed to have a gun because he's 17. Even that is a little bit debatable, I think, when you start looking. There's like a certificate a 17-year-old can have. We don't know if he has it or not that will allow him to have the gun. But he just kept coming back with, um, well, he, it was illegal for him to have a gun. I said, that's completely separate from was he an instigator of mayhem? You're slandering him and labeling his motives, which you do not know. And well, slavery was legal, too. Sorry. Yeah, and he's, he was unwilling to acknowledge that he had put out falsehood on day one about this, this young man. And my problem is, I don't know this young kid. I don't know who he is, but I don't think that it's why. Can we wait for some facts? Yeah, wait for the facts. And yeah. don't say he's an instigator of mayhem as if he drove there to murder people. When we know yeah. the videos of him saying, I'm here to help clean up and I'm here yeah. to help protect businesses. And, um, you know, it, there's, there's a verse, and I think it's important because Christians, we have to remember, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and, our, and Father, and with it, we curse human beings we have, who have been made in God's likeness. This should not be from James 3, 9. So we can't be out here slandering people and falling, you know, prey to our own bias. We have to have full information and remain objective. Partiality is a sin just like any other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's so um, interesting when you're talking about they're calling him an instigator of violence, but Jacob Blake is not. The scales are so unbalanced for me that I can't even begin to have serious conversations with people, even though I try. Because Jacob Blake was called because there was a warrant. The police were called because there was a warrant out for his arrest. They got there. They have the right to arrest somebody who has a warrant around, uh, a warrant for their arrest outside of the, it, the actual altercation in which the police is being called for. So there's two- Meeks, Meeks, Meeks yeah. if I may, you're a law enforcement officer, so you know you get arrested for word. Yeah. And then it gets settled. If, I, yeah. if, if, if my wife says, mm -hmm. he hit me or yeah. he threatened me, yeah. we, don't, we don't hold court right there. I'm getting arrested. Yeah. Now you can argue whether or not that's good, but that's just what it is. That's Off of what it word, is. Yeah. If someone says you did something violent, you're going to jail. But go on. Yeah. So he fights the police. He says he has a knife. Looks like he's going to get the knife, but he's innocent. LeBron James and the WNBA holds him up as some innocent person, but then at the same time want to condemn the 17-year-old, who I am not here to proclaim his innocence, but I am here to bring objectivity here. Why does he have an AR-15? Have you seen the riots? Have you? Do you know that people are being attacked? Do you know that people are dying? David Dorn, police, retired police chief, killed. People, that's just one of the many examples that we can give. You have other evidence coming out of our heart goes out to the individuals who died there. I believe that the individuals, the two individuals that the 17-year-old killed, their life mattered. But at the same time, they put themselves in a position. You see the um, one of the individuals who was killed earlier, he's talking about He's saying the N-word, and he's saying he ready for that smoke. Did y'all see that? He said he was like, shoot me, N-word. Yeah, shoot me, N-word. But he's there fighting for, for black people. Like, what, what is going on? You know what I'm saying? So it's just like the riots in itself are dangerous. If you walk down there, 
you better have something protect to protect you if you not are if you are not on the side of the rioters. You need it. You see Mazel Tov thrown at him. If you watch videos, you've seen people running after him. What is he supposed to do? Of course, me, I don't want my 17-year-old kid down there with the AR-17, AR AR-15, because the 17-year-old putting himself in a position of absolute, definitely violence that could be towards him. But if you can't objectively look at this and see that this, were, this was some sense of self-defense, this was self, some sense of, you know, a situation that isn't just a person just going down there ready to kill people, then I can't have a real conversation with you. Yeah, and and if if depending on the circumstances, I, I I'll just say let me not let me not put myself into it. But God forbid if a riot happened on my block, a riot, not like just people walking through. Yeah, yeah. things are burning around. You're hearing yeah. glass breaking. You're hearing Smell yelling, and threats. Yeah. I cannot. I cannot say that if there were a 15, 16, or 17-year-old who I was confident was trained in firearms, I cannot, I cannot say beyond a reasonable doubt that I am, let me not say that I would do it, that I would not be able to understand why someone would hand a young person a weapon for self-defense in a climate and environment like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of, the, of what the law said when it comes down to life. Not out of the realm of possibility. Which these riots are. These riots are a matter of life and death. You can see what people are threatening. You can see what they're you doing. You said somebody got a Trump supporter got killed last night. A, a Trump supporter just got shot from what we understand. A guy, I think his name was Jay. Um, this is very early. So if uh, any corrections are needed, just, just uh, grant me a little bit of grace. He was a member of a group called Patriot Prayer, I think. And uh, early reports were saying that he was shot two times in the chest. And there are... Um, and there are videos of people who are celebrating it. And then I just saw an interview with Kamala Harris. Man, this lady lady looks like she's trying to be the second coming of Hillary Clinton. She's yeah, talking man. about the, the riots aren't going to stop and they shouldn't stop until November. And it's almost like she was giving out, when you watch the video again, this is a little bit of my, again, you got to be careful, right? This is a little bit of my own inference. But as I watched her speak, it almost looked like she was giving out commands. She was like, it's not going to stop. And and it's not gonna stop till November. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like how like how irresponsible is that of yeah. of a politician running? For, okay, so so you know what? Here we go. Like I always say, BLM, Black Lives Matter, is a terrorist organization, and Democrats are the party of slavery, crime, and violence right now. Yeah. Right really. now, it is. You know, really. Here's the interesting thing. I wonder where people get their information from hmm. because if you watch. If you've been watching mainstream media for the last four months, you've been told these individuals are peaceful protesters and they're out there marching for social justice. And so you feel like, you know, there's a few bad apples in the bunch, but the most, most of them are just so peaceful. They don't understand that we're watching videos daily of people getting their head kicked in, Damn. of people getting their businesses burnt down, of grown men crying in front of their family business saying, what did we do to deserve this? Of, you know, fathers saying, no, the mayor didn't call me when my son died. Nobody cared that my son died in the chopped zone that they blocked off and made their own little country and said was peace and love to the world. No. So people, we've been watching this stuff for months. We see the, the violence and the anger and the insanity of it. And we see that the politicians in these communities have let it ride. 
and that's why in Portland you're going on a hundred days. I'm from Oregon, so I'm like, this is the this is serious to me. This is the major city in my state that I grew up in. You're wow, going, I forget that. Wow, you're going on a hundred days of riots, and the the mayor, well, yeah, the mayor Ted Wheeler, who also happens to be the police commissioner, he sent a letter to President Trump this week and said, we don't want your federal help. Yep. And then he posted it on Twitter like he's bragging about the fact that he just rejected help for his community. And, and the protesters surround his house and demand he resigns and defund the police. Exactly. And two days later, you have a man shot in cold blood in the middle of his city. So these people aren't serious people. They're not people who care about people. They care about a very radical ideology. And you have to wonder, for four months, the Democrats didn't say anything about the riots. During their convention, they didn't say anything about the violence because ideologically, they are aligned with these people. They agree with this stuff. They feel that it's important for a revolution to happen, that this has to happen. They don't condemn it because they agree with it. It's and the same thing with the sexualization of women. They can't condemn it because they are a part of it. When you want to decriminalize sex work, you can't say that you really value women. When you want, when you need these riots to push towards your election, that's why Kamala's like, well, these joints gonna happen until November. Kamala's actually very, very bold on the low. Cause she even laughed about when she said that Biden, she believed the accusers of Biden. Then she's like, well, you know, it's politics. She, I don't know if y'all saw that. Like, she laughed. She boasts in the ignorance. Like, ha, 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 it was a debate. Ha, yeah, ha, ha, ha. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I'm sorry to cut you off, Jordan. Please continue. But I just, they can't condemn it because they're part of it. it and, and it serves their agenda. It serves yeah. their agenda. These individuals are their voting base. So they, they also can't come out and condemn it because these are their voters. Yeah, so yeah. You can't name. isolate them. And, and in a leadership way, they're very weak because they're, they won't do the right thing for the people who live there, but they'll do the right thing to get power. And you only begin to see a little bit of a change this week when the Democrats' internal polling came back that said riots are not polling well with America. Yeah. And then you have Don Lemon on CNN saying, this isn't really polling well. We might, this might have been a mistake for Democrats to, to you know, go down this route. And so it's, it's insane. People need to understand that what you're witnessing is not just like a social justice movement. You're watching a revolution and infiltration of individuals who want to fundamentally change America and they believe the way to do that is to destroy it and rebuild it in their image, which is going to be this utopia of equality somehow. Yeah. With, men, with, with men having babies. Yeah, and so uh, you have that choice, or you have a different choice for America, and we saw that this week with the Republican National Convention. Yes, and, and interestingly enough, let, let's get into the RNC, but interestingly enough, man, I know everybody's not an entrepreneur or a titan of industry, but it's just very interesting that the country's being torn down by people who've never built anything. They don't have any evidence that they would be able to build or lead anything. When you look at the chop zones and all of these places that they so-called say, we don't need police, we got this, people start dying and violence continues to happen. There is no evidence even that the people who are fighting for the revolution have demonstrated that they even have the capacity to lead anything or anyone anywhere. Yeah. But was very encouraged by the RNC 
the DNC looked like it was put on by amateurs and uh, without giving a nod to Hollywood, the RNC looked like it was an award-winning production from yeah. the way it appeared to the speakers. And also another thing about that you might notice, I, I think it's great. I think the RNC very early on, if not the beginning, you had a woman come out and say, uh, uh, Eva Longoria uh, spoke at the uh, Democratic National Convention and she played a housewife on TV. Well, I am a real housewife. And I think that that just really sums it up. Wow. Like the DNC is like smoking, smoking mirrors. They yeah. get the actors who play the roles yeah. to kind of pull at the heartstrings of people. Whereas the RNC seemed to have real people with real experiences, real backgrounds, real immigrants with real stories and real support for President Trump. Yeah. What do you think, Meet? Um, yeah, the, 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 the convention was amazing, just to be honest. Um, I try to view everything very objectively on watching the DNC. Uh, tr trying to objectively watch it, I, I thought it was a joke. Um, they had no real agenda. Again, their agenda was don't vote for Trump. And that's just, that's scary. If you're, if you're a person in the middle, you should be afraid of that because that is no real plan. Right. I mean, they know they don't have to give you a real plan and hopefully it doesn't work out. But if it does work out, that's pretty sad, you know? And if Trump loses the nomination because they sold you just don't vote for him, then what will we have after that? But um, I thought the, um, the contrast of the DNC um, the RNC was a message of hope, message of unity, which is, um, which may be shocking to some because it's coming from, let's be real, a whole lot of white Republicans, but they had a whole lot of racial reconciliation within the joint. I don't know if y'all saw that. If y'all peeped it, they were talking about, uh, from Melania Trump, from, um, uh, Dr. Brian Carr to, uh, um, other individuals that I can't even, I, I can't remember their names. They were talking about racial reconciliation and what we need to do at this time. They were talking about police brutality and how they condemn it and things like that. And those type of things get overlooked. And I do have other details of it, but I swing it back to y'all. Um, that was one thing I was encouraged with, the overall hope and unity. And of course, you could say, oh, they just sell that as a selling block. But I'm like, yo, they really don't have to. I thought they were into dog whistling. I thought that they were into appe appealing to white races. Right. That don't appeal to white races. I don't know if y'all noticed. That's why there's a lot of white supremacists who have fallen off with their um, support of Trump. And I don't know if y'all saw the hit KKK dude. What's his name? Richard Spencer. Yeah, didn't he say something like he's definitely not voting for Donald Trump and he'll vote for uh, Biden way before he votes for Trump? Like yeah. Richard Richard Spencer says he's voting for Biden, but yeah. I think Richard Spencer knows R Richard Spencer knows his power. So I'm not quite convinced that that's clear. But yes, yes, yeah. Richard Spencer. Yeah definitely said he was voting for Biden. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how many times they're going to ask Joe Biden to disavow Richard Spencer. Like wow, they wow, look at that. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, as far as the Republican National Convention, I watched it, and, you know, I have to say, I've never been a person who's like, I'm a Republican. Like, I never really cared, right? I, I voted Republican because it mostly aligned with my values, but I wasn't like a person like, I'm a Republican. Um, to, after watching that convention, I would feel proud. If this is the Republican Party, I would be proud to be a part of that. Um, it was a message of unity. It was very, it, it, it evoked the American greatness, the American spirit that I think we don't get to talk about as much. We don't get to hear about anymore. We're always just like bombarded with these messages of like 
America's the oppressor, colonizers, America has done so much horrible things. And there was no ignoring America's mistakes during the convention, but that wasn't the focus. The focus is we've always been a nation who has improved and grown. Yeah, we ended slavery. Yeah. We passed the Civil Rights Act. We're continually moving in every generation to give to uh, live up to what our Constitution says that we are. And you know, just thinking on a uh, just a you know normal everyday life level, you you have so many people who've gotten famous for um, pushing like self help and the power of positivity and that kind of thing. That stuff is all remnants of what God says in His Word about the importance of your words and how a man thinks so he is and that in the in your tongue is the power of life and death so if we know that those are spiritual principles why wouldn't you want a party or a president who's continually speaking the best over your nation speaking the best over who you can become in this in this country um giving inspiration and hope these are spiritual principles that, you know, President Trump may not even realize that he's like operating within sometimes when he comes out and says, America's going to be the number one manufacturer in the world. We're going to set new records. We're going to unleash new, uh, you know, new hope and destiny for us. He may not even understand the power in being that kind of leader, mm -hmm. but a lot of people do understand it because uh, C-SPAN every single night after the convention, you know, they have a call-in line for Republicans and Democrats. You call in, talk about what you thought. The Democrat line every single night was full of Democrats who saying, I'm switching to Republican now. After okay. watching that convention, I want to be a part of that. And so to me, that was amazing. You have an exodus from the Democrat Party, people who said, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I'm now voting for Donald Trump. I want to be a part of that America. And um, I just, I had such a beautiful vision of who we can be and how every individual can become their best. And to me, those are messages that we try to tell our children, right? You can be anything you wanna be when you grow up. So mm -hmm. why not tell even the adults in your country and, and the elderly people? It, it forms a coalition of people who love our country and want it to be the best and wanna to work together toward accomplishing that. Um, I thought the convention was really well done. I was um, really inspired by it. Impressed, yeah. Yeah, and you know what? And you you make a good point because I always I always say the left made me a patriot. Um, the, the way that they're conducting themselves and carrying out their ideas, they're definitely determining a little bit more where I draw my lines at. And um, when I, you, you know, we everyone talks about party switchers. And those conversations are debatable because they're layered. There have been about two or three instances in America where you can kind of see some shifts that you kind of have to, it looks like you kind of have to account for. But I think we're watching that right now. It is so much, it's so many things that I see happening now that gives me context for history. You know, because there used to be this conversation like, oh, well, you know, if America was ever good, how could slavery exist? Yeah. But yet every day here we are as believers watching people who are Christian and non-Christian fight so adamantly and give their total being to eradicating abortion and it's here every day. Mm -hmm. And so in the same way you talk about party switches, wow. look what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. People are literally, both ways, people are literally according to their values saying, hey, I'm over here with these guys because I just think get Trump out by whatever means. And then you have people who say, you know what? I've never really been about this, but I like what Republicans are representing right now. 
And I love what Meech says. Meech always says, look, we can talk about the history, but I'm more concerned with what decisions that we're making based on what we can see with our eyes right now. And, you know, I never was one to say that you should fall out with people because of ideological differences. But I also am not going to draw a, a line because that's a nice saying to say, well, don't let politics come in between you and people you love. That depends on what the politics are. Because in a more extreme example, if someone says, you know, I support uh, uh, transitioning children into different genders, with all due respect to you, I have to love you as a believer, but no, we're not doing play dates, like, right? Like our kids are not, we're not going to be in fellowship with one another. So I would encourage everyone to continue to be loving, merciful, affirming what you believe, but don't, don't let some sort of like cliche about not wanting to be divisive over politics, keep you from taking the proper stances because there are some wicked things being pushed right now that I think might be worth separating from some individuals a little bit. Like slavery, for instance, I'm sure might've caused a lot of rift in, rifts in some homes, which is understandable, right? Like, okay, well you support slavery, wow. You, you know, I love you, but what you support is so egregious. I now have to reevaluate the dynamic of our relationship. And I'm not saying rush to do that, but with what people are supporting right now, from the minorly extreme to the extreme extreme, I think that we, we really should be making sure that we keep a watchful eye on the things around us and, uh, and watch how we position ourselves with other individuals because people are supporting some very dangerous and wicked and evil things right now. Politically, that is. Yeah. People have always believed whatever, but right now, I see that in the political sphere. And that's so good, um, Gloss, when I... So when I talk about more of the RNC, uh, RNC I don't have to like stand and, and beat my chest and stand on the righteousness of America because I understand there's no righteous, no, not one in all of the earth. Um, America has its, its source. Um, you know, it has supported things and pushed things that are anti-God, anti-biblical, but at the same time, it has represented and presented much of what Christians enjoy here in this country when it comes to freedom, when it comes right. to, you know, they used to call, or well, maybe it's still some try to call America, quote unquote, Christian nation. Um, you know, does it mean that um, all of the aspects of America have been under the righteousness of Christ and acting those things out? But when you talk about the freedom of religion, when it talks about boasting in the Lord of hosts, um, you know, there's been wicked kings that we've discussed in the Bible that have made waves um, and made paths for Christians. Um, you talk about the king that was over during the time of Daniel that had made paths for Christians. Um, when you talk about- Tyrus. Ty exactly, when you talk about Joseph and the favor that he found and that how he made a path for his brothers and made a path that a lineage of all of Israel that came um, um, out of that. So when I look at all that, I look at the RNC convention and then I look at the Democratic convention and I see myself like, what if I'm on the outside looking in? What if I don't live in America? America is so privileged that you can watch the DNC convention full of chaos, full of we hate America, full of America has offered nothing, blah, blah, blah. And as, an, uh, as a person on the outside in another country, you'll still want to come here. Imagine and, nobody, how, and nobody's leaving. And nobody's leaving. Imagine if, if, how you if, feel. If, if, Meech, if I thought America yeah. was what the Democrats say, I would really consider leaving because they right. really say, they're, they're causing the apocalypse claiming that they're doing it because America is so apocalyptic. 
Absolutely. And then if you look at this, if I'm on the outside and from another country, if I would still want to come here after watching the DNC, how would I feel after watching the RNC? The message of hope, the message of, you know, even like um, Jordan was saying, talking about some of the aspects of America where we still need leaps and bounds to get over. Talking about yes. police brutality, wearing that, wearing like, yes, there is an issue with police brutality, but, but this, but that. That message is very encouraging. And, and I, I know some, even some of my family members who have been anti-Trump, who have watched that and was greatly encouraged by it. Right. Yeah, and you know, Vashi, we're talking about, like there are some times to draw a line in the sand. And throughout history, people have been willing to die for causes. And so, I mean, there, the crossroads that America is in, some people are willing to die for it. And they're dying in the streets right now because you have individuals who are saying, I'm not gonna let rioters and anarchists, and these crazy people come into my community and burn it down. So if I have to defend myself and my property, I will. And there's people who are doing that. There was a C-SPAN caller who called in. She said she was a lifelong Democrat and an immigrant. And she had such a touching story. And she said, I would die for America if I had to, because I know what communism is. I know the, the pain and the anguish and the death of that cause where I come from. And I don't want to see it take root in the country that saved my life. And I will die on this hill. And so I think there are individuals who they're willing to die for something like that. They're willing to die for freedom. They're willing to die for um, a country that they believe is a uh, bastion of hope that the world looks on and say, I want to go there, make something of myself. Um, it, the whole convention I thought was great. There was um, a few segments that I thought were really, really interesting. Um, there was a segment on the hostages that President Trump has saved from around the world. And I don't know if you guys got to see that, but he has made it his goal to rescue Americans who are trapped in foreign countries. And oh yeah, I saw that, yes. And he had them all up there, some of the ones that he had saved. Yeah, um, some of the hostages that he saved that he has rescued. And, and can you imagine um, being imprisoned in a foreign country all alone, uh, imprisoned in, who knows, some third world kind of situation. Who knows what kind of circumstances. Yeah, maybe tortured, beaten, whatever, starved, and wonder, is your country gonna save you? And these individuals know that President Trump is going to save them. They know that if they don't release me, my president will burn your country to the ground. So I mean, that is a powerful message that you have a president who will save you and who will come for you and who will rescue you. And you have individuals who said, if Biden's my president, is he gonna rescue me? Oh, you? man. You know what I'm saying? There yeah. was a family, um, the- uh, Biden's gonna be like, come on, man. Yeah, come on, man, it's not a big deal. Kayla Mueller's family, I don't know if you guys have heard the story, it's so powerful, she okay. was a missionary and she was um, taken captive by ISIS. She was raped by the ISIS leader uh, multiple times. She was a Christian and she was writing in, in prison. She said, I'll never give up on God. God has not left me so powerfully. And this happened on Obama's watch. And this, the parents spoke at the RNC of how they had reached out to the Obama administration to save our daughter. And um, they had an opportunity to rescue her one night and they missed the opportunity. She ended up dying. 
they said on that stage that President Trump has, you know, rallied around them in the aftermath. And they said if President Trump was our president when Kayla was in prison, she would still be alive right now. That's and right. it was just like, for anyone watching that, it's so powerful. It was so heartbreaking. Yeah. And it just shows you the, the difference in how presidents think about the people within their country, the lengths that they're willing to protect them and save them. And um, man, that was powerful. That was really powerful. Speaking of powerful, look how powerful ISIS was when Obama was in office. Right. And look how weak they are now. Trump said, hey, we're gonna, come, we're gonna come out, we're gonna abolish ISIS, we're gonna get them. There's gonna be no way that they're gonna get away with blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm not saying that they don't still exist, but they don't exist in the same power in which they did when, when Obama was in office because he didn't go after them. And right. they say, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the president doesn't have a lot of power, it's all about this, but the president has a voice. The president has a voice, the president has an energy for good and bad. I mean, that's just going to be what it is, you know, the and, most powerful. And, 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 at, the, and, and at the very least, America has economic power to put pressure. We know money runs the world. Facts. That's yeah. a fact. So, um, and I, I do want to get into some of the details uh, of, continue to get into some of the de details of the RNC, because Trump actually mentioned when he talked about ISIS. And y'all, please stop me, because I just, I, if y'all want to interject, I want to run down some of the things actually talked about, some of the quotes, some of the information given for some of those political heads that maybe have not watched it, but you maybe you could hear some from here. So one thing Trump did was he gave great accountability for the coronavirus to China. And I thought that that was something that Americans need to take into consideration. Now, has Trump handled the coronavirus thing perfectly? No, I believe that it's a tough situation. I'm not sure how I would handle it being there, but closing China immediately, um, after finding it out, which Biden and many, many of the Democrats were against, which is interesting, uh, he's, like I said, he slammed China for the spread of the coronavirus, which was either planned or handled it extremely irresponsibly. Regardless, it started the massive pandemic. Considering the uh, coronavirus, he launched the Defense Production Act, producing the world's largest supply of ventilators. Not a single American that has wanted a ventilator has denied a ventilator has tested more than every country in Europe put together, conducted 40 million more tests than the second closest country, which is India, and the mortality rate has been reduced 80% since April, which comes from the amount of testing and putting forth effort. And America is among the lowest in case of, of fatalities in the world for a big country. But you don't hear none of that stuff. When you turn on the news, even local news, not even the big mainstream news, because they're feeding into the mainstream news. All you hear is panic. You don't hear anything good that America is doing concerning the virus. And then lastly, for one of my points, Trump actually slammed Biden on his relationship with China. He said that if Biden wants to make more deals with China, he wants to keep job, jobs in China, all that stuff is not good for America because obviously China cannot be trusted. If you really, really believe that political powers are actually influencing what may affect us in our lives, that's a big point. Biden is open to China. Has China proven itself to be something that you want to be our country to be involved in, making more deals with, et cetera, et cetera? Something to consider. And let, let me give let me give an encouragement to people. I'm a guy that's from the hood. I'm from the projects. Largely self-educated. Everything that I've learned about life after the Bible, I've learned from books and the internet. And I haven't had much formal schooling, and I grew up with a lot of uh, mindsets toward America that I think many people have. 
I, I, it's so strange to be an adult black male talking to white people. I'm, in, I'm talking about in my real life in the grocery store. I'm not talking like online. Yeah. about how great America is. That's, that's so crazy for me because we understand how the stereotypes are. I come from what many would consider an oppressed class. And I will say this, if Meech and Jordan bring me a, some medicine and I'm sick, I'm a Christian and I believe in giving all glory to God. I believe God orders steps. I believe God uh, directs paths. And so while I give all glory to God, I do give thanks to the sources. Uh -huh. So if, if Meech visited my house while I was sick and shut in and, and, and gave me medicine, perhaps, or if Jordan uh, 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 took my kids to school or something like that, what I could, I would still say, wow, glory to God, but thank you, Jordan. Yeah. Glory to God, but thank you, Meech. You don't despise the vessel. And I say that to say America has problems, but think about what you are grateful for in your life. Yeah. And think about how much of, of America is responsible for being a conduit for so much of what you enjoy. Mm. And I just want to encourage everyone as a black man from the projects, regardless of what your race is hearing me, because sometimes you can really be shamed into what you believe, even though personally you don't have a conviction over it. Do not be ashamed to love your country. Yeah. People love their basketball teams. They love their yeah. celebrity heroes, even though they get caught in all kinds of scandals. When you look around and see how much people defend the things that they love, whatever it may be, they are totally entitled to that. But if you support President Trump and you support this country, you don't have to go out and get a bullhorn and tell everybody. Yeah. If there's no mandate, it's not like the gospel. We're mandated to uh, uh, to share the gospel with the whole entire world. But well, I want to be ashamed of it. Right, right. But I want to give you a personal encouragement. If you love the country, if you are grateful to be here, if you are looking toward the future with hope and excited about the potential for what you can do and what you can build and where you can go and what you can be, don't let anyone make you ashamed of that. Yeah. And I really hope that racial ideas are being realigned because there's, there's like black people saying the country, there's people of all races saying the country is amazing. And there are white people riding in the streets saying it's trash and tearing it down. So if there was ever a time to get rid of your racial ideology of putting your race first, look around. Yeah. There are people in all kinds of groups with all kinds of ideologies who are members of all different races. And the last thing I'll say is, even putting your race first is its own ideology. Yeah. Because many people who say that they put their race first, you have people like uh, 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 prominent speaker Umar Johnson, Farrakhan, smart people. You may disagree with their values, but smart people. When they find someone who disagrees with their ideology of putting race first, they say, no, we're going to shun. I follow a lot of the racist and Nazi channels when they have white people who are willing to uh, 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 join hand in hand with uh, people of other races based on ideology. You know what they do? They reject them. So even putting race first is its own set of ideolo ideological values. And I just want to say again, if, if you love the country, if you are grateful for where you live, if you are hopeful and want to see your country be all it can be, don't let anyone make you ashamed of that. America first.
Yeah, and that, what you're saying was demonstrated there at the RNC because you had individuals who came from nothing. And there, there's Ben Carson, who's in charge of HUD, who came from nothing. You had um, Burgess Owens. He had a really amazing story of, I think it was his great, great grandfather was a slave. And Burgess Owens was on that stage saying, I built a great career. He was an athlete. You guys are going to have to help me out with that because I'm not really into the athletic stuff, but football player. Is that right? Who? Burgess Owens. Oh, yeah, football player. Okay, so he had like an amazing career and then he like lost it all on some business stuff and then like built himself back up and now wants to be a politician. But like he told a story of his great great grandfather it was so inspirational. Um, even Laura Trump, like I, you may not have known this, she grew up in just a regular North Carolina community. She was waiting tables. Waiting tables. And then President Trump put her in charge of his race in North Carolina in 2016. And, um, and she's doing amazing things now. So it's like so many people on that stage represented what you're saying, boss, of like beginning at just as a regular person or even in an oppressed state and found something within them, found the opportunities around them to become something more. And that was sort of what the RNC was to me. It was just regular everyday people talking about what America has provided as far as opportunity to become who you want to be. And um, it was just, it was very, very inspirational to me. And it made me feel like I, I can be more, I want to do more. Like I live in the most, like the most blessed country in the world as far as economically and opportunity and freedom wise. So let's go out there and build something. Let's do something with what we have, you know? And it, it just, if there's people out there who feel like they want to be, they want to believe in themselves like that, then that was a great message for them. Yeah. Um, and I want to I want to add to that, but before I add to that, I want to say uh, I'm very sorry. Um, the Christian apologist is coming out in me. I, earlier I said Dr. Brian Carr. I meant Dr. Ben Carson. <laughs> Whoa, that was a mistake. Anyway, when I was talking about the RNC convention and talking about other speakers speaking, I, I meant Dr. Ben Carson. And I'm sorry if this is getting a little um, uh, long-winded because there's so much information dealing with this RNC, and we wanted to give this way more um talk than we did the dnc which was kind of a a, a circus um so one thing i do mm -hmm. want to uh, point out as well was trump and the rnc standing up for law enforcement i know a lot law enforcement is con coming under such fire which some is definitely warranted because there is actually a track record of police brutality to all races police brutal brutality specifically to African-American as African-Americans as well in some context and we acknowledge that but we must acknowledge that we need the police we need law and order that is actually biblical that is a governing situation that is biblical read Romans 13 if you have any type of if um if you have any type of um take issue with that but Trump said that the most dangerous aspect of Biden's platform is his attack on public safety because his attack on the police and the Democrats' attack on police is a threat to um, public safety. He broke down that Biden and Bernie manifesto calls for the abolishment of cash bells, which immediately releases 400,000 criminals onto the streets immediately. So the support of the defunding of the police actually makes no sense. It cripples laws, 
and gives criminals more power and confidence to commit crimes, which is why crime is up around the nation, because when criminals believe they have the leverage to commit crimes, they will commit them. They are criminals. You give them more power, you give them more reason, they will do it. And this last point, y'all, sorry. But Trump brought on the family of Detective Familia, who three years ago on the 4th of July was ambushed in her police vehicle and murdered by a monster who hated her specifically because she wore a badge. She was a single mom who had recently asked for the night shift to spend more time with her kids. And on that night shift, she was murdered because a police hating criminal felt he had the power to take her life just because she was an officer. Who gives criminals like this, this type of warped justification in their hearts to murder police? Hmm. The platform of the Democrats and the Joe Biden presidency and everything they stand for. This is what we should be worried about and talking about. And Trump pointed that out. And I just thought that that was a beautiful thing. He honored the three, her three children there. Everybody stood up and gave them support. And actually when it happened, he had already called and talked to them. So they had already built a relationship. You know, with, he had already built a relationship with her children. So that law enforcement thing stands out to me. I'm a law enfor enforcement officer, y'all. So thank y'all for that time for me to um, express that. Hey, hey, Meech, uh, just wanted to echo something from the scripture. Use the scripture to echo something you said. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Mm. Right? And so while I'm for re police reform, I'm for examining all systems, right? Like all of these systems that have been around for decades and hundreds of years, let's look into all of them and find out how we can make them great, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm always down for that. But again, they are really, the Democrats and the liberal, the liberals on the left, they're really pushing people, um, they're drawing a line in the sand. Yeah. And so I, I am partly encouraged because I don't believe that anything that we're saying is hard to go out and see. Uh, we're presenting people with things that they can research and find out what it represents for themselves. But I will, I will say that um, I have to give some credit to maybe where I'm at in life and what I've studied, but I've never heard anyone made me be as proud to be an American as President Trump. And it doesn't start now. I'm talking about all his State of the Union addresses. Like, okay, well, I understand, for anyone listening, I understand why when you say make America great again, that's suspicious for a person depending on where you come from. You're like, well, what do you mean by again? What period of time? What dynamics? What aspects? But I will say, when you look at President Trump's record, when you look at the decades of telling you why he loved America openly and publicly, unashamed, and now you look at the policies that he has enacted in the last four years, and then you listen to the vision for the next four years, if that's what making America great again is, according to Donald Trump, I am with it. I am with it. He preaches a vision of hope and encouragement for all people and all groups, and he puts the people of our country first. Yeah. I appreciate President Trump. He has my vote. Um, I can't say that nothing will change that. But as of right now, uh, it's written in stone for me. So and, and to President Trump, yeah. I'm praying for our president. I prayed for Obama as well. And but I will be praying for Donald Trump. And again, uh, you know, don't be careful how much you allow the court of public opinion to determine what it is that you're going to believe. If there was ever a time to think for one's own self, it is now. Yeah, and Richard Grinnell, you know, the former ambassador to Germany and DNI, he made a great point. What you're saying, Box, is he said, 
the Democrats and the media call Donald Trump a nationalist as if it's an insult. Right. As the president of a country yeah. not supposed to love it and put its people and their interests first. Yeah. Like, of course, our president should be an American nationalist, someone who loves his country and someone who's going to fight for it. I felt like the RNC did a good job of debunking a lot of myths that have been told about Donald Trump over the years because you have so many individuals who are coming forward. For instance, there was one segment of all the women who work in his administration talking about how he has empowered them into leadership, how they have 75 children between them, all the women who work in his administration, how their mothers as well, and how President Trump has never, you know, thought twice about giving them influence, giving them positions of leadership, giving them very important projects, in fact, trusting them with the outcome of entire things to do with his um, election and his campaign. Right. And um, so that was really cool to see because you hear, you know, about he's misogynistic, He's a homophobe, whereas he appointed the first gay ambassador ever, Richard Grinnell, and, and he's a racist. And you have, um, what was his name? Um, Herschel Walker getting up and saying, I've been friends with President Trump for over 30 years. He, I've taken his children to Disneyland with my children, and I'm personally offended as a black man that people would think I would be friends with a racist. He said, Donald Trump is not a racist. Uh. Uh, yes, look at that. So right now, if you're watching, you can see it. But if you're listening to us via podcast, I'm showing a picture of Herschel Walker saying he's been friends with Trump from, uh, for 37 years. And there's a picture of him at, um, at, a, uh, at Trump Plaza for the Tyson Spinks fight. And Donald Trump Jr. is sitting on this guy's lap. Yeah. Like, President Trump is so not what they told us. I, I think that, you know, part of me is as angry as I get at some of the deception – Part of me is kind of like, okay, well, it's kind of good because they tip their hands so much, mm. right? They lie to such an extreme degree that anyone who has a heart for truth. Now, if you want to believe that Trump is whatever, you're going to find the evidence because things are framed how they're framed. But um, for anyone who seeks truth, I think that what they say about President Trump, a lot of it is easily demunkable. They say that President Trump has more women in leadership positions in his cabinet than anybody else before. Yeah. Um, and Trump really strikes me as a guy who puts women in power. He has a track record of it. And it seems to be based on competence, not gender and not race, yeah. but competence. And I like that. Yeah. yeah. I like that too, because I would never want a position simply because I'm a woman. Yeah. That would be, you know, and, and, I, and I don't want a position as reparations. No, thank you. Yeah. No, you give it to me based on my competence in the moment, or I don't deserve it. I don't even want my kids to get into school based on affirmative action. If the SAT scores don't match up, I don't think that they should go. Um, there was a time when I could understand why someone put that forth in the interest of this or that, but where I'm living right now, um, I reject those kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. And um, final thoughts, y'all, because, you know, we definitely this is a this was a good detailed podcast. Uh, my final thoughts here are um, I need you to analyze who you see on the screen right now. You see two um, black individuals and you see a white woman here, woman. And these are the individuals that said that when Trump won the presidency, they said, how can you white women or you women or women, period, vote for such a blah, blah, blah. They said, how can black people, blah, 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 who had not as much support as black people support Trump now. 
He has more since 2016. I want to just tell you, like, who do you think we are? Like, do you just think we're ignorant? Do you think we're stupid? You know, I mean, like, I have a track record that goes beyond politics. And no one considers me like an idiot. No one, I mean, I'm not gonna say no one, but most people- <laughs> right, right. right. Most, most, most people don't think I'm an idiot, right. right, right most right. people won't consider me an idiot. Most people right. won't consider me to be a delusional or someone that would uh, invite my own harm. Right. So when you see these individuals, some more than others, you know, you see black people wearing a big MAGA hat. I'm not that type of guy, you know what I'm saying? But I am a type of guy that's going to go in the voting booth in November and probably vote for Donald Trump. Why? Because I've analyzed everything. If you listen to this, this podcast, if you heard this podcast, have you, are you not hearing things that can give you steps or lead you to the reasons why we would do something like this? When you, if you watch the RNC, the Republican National Convention, I implore you to watch it. Do you see racism celebrated there? You know, do you not see the message of hope of all Americans when, when you look at this from a conservative viewpoint, you see that Things that are good for America is good for everybody. You know, you got Kamala Harris out here saying that she won't specifically do anything for black people. She said it. She said it out of her mouth. But the RNC doesn't specifically say that, but they specifically say we do everything for all Americans. Guess who's American here? Women, black people, minorities of any color, white men. Doesn't matter who you are. You have a space here. I'm just saying. We are Trump's America. Yeah. Just saying. You know, somebody asked the question, uh, uh, can, can, the, can the Republican Party survive Trump? I think it was Jordan who said, no, good. He, yeah. this, this man is absolutely changing the faces of these parties, yeah. 100%. And I think it's for the better because it kind of, every once in a while, you know, I, I don't want a whole entire reset on the country like Antifa does or like Black Lives Matter does, but Trump has definitely hit reset on political discourse and force people to evaluate what they believe, what they're willing to allow, and how they take action. So again, unashamedly, I want to salute President Trump. I'm grateful that God and his sovereignty raised up someone um, who would stand for the people of this country, right? Like, because all countries matter or whatever, right? But you do take care of your household first. Yeah. Even the Bible tells you to, right? Of course, I'm invested in the well-being of my neighbors next door. Yeah. But I'm concerned with my household first and foremost. I remember President Trump, I think it was when he was at Davos, said, America first doesn't mean America only. Mm. And my family first doesn't mean my family only. Yeah. If I can do something to help my neighbor, I will. But it is my duty to be primarily concerned with what immediately uh, affects me. And so, yeah, man, yeah, I'm, 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 as much as I get upset and angered about what I see, um, I say this a little bit facetiously and tongue in cheek, if, if, if Hillary were president and, and, and this virus happened, we, we might have chips by now. Right, like we might, and Bill Gates had his say with the CDC and the World Health Organizations. It is really not unrealistic to think that we would have all had vaccinations from God knows where by now. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, I'm grateful for President Trump standing up for the American people. Do not be ashamed to love your country if that's your position. Yeah, my final thought would be this. You have an opportunity to inform yourself. I, uh, I believe in the message on my shirt, defund the media, because the media to me mm. is the most effective devil in America. They have they have completely um, defrauded the American people. They have abdicated their responsibility as journalists to rightly inform and to judge rightly and not push biased information. So you as a person have now need to take the information into your own hands, research into your own hands, 
you can go on YouTube and watch one night of the Republican National Convention and decide for yourself what you think about it. Don't allow this biased media to cloud your judgment and potentially cause you to miss what I believe is the best president in a, in a, in a generation. And the fact that we have the opportunity to, like you said, the Republican Party is not what it was in the past and neither is the Democratic Party. So if you have traditionally voted along those lines, it may be worth examining those platforms now and see if they still align with who you are as a person. Love that. That's, yeah. that's my final thought is do your own research and don't okay. miss the truth of what's happening in America. You can be a part of an amazing transformation for all people. And I want to say I love y'all so much, Jordan. I love you so much as my sister. Uh, Voss, I love you. Um, as an older brother, man, um, we have, it takes courage to do what we do just to keep it a hundred because like none, the three of us don't have like a huge, like Republican conservative backing, like nobody like is pushing us or giving us money to do this or we're losing, you know, clout sometimes for what we're right. doing here. Right. You know, there's, there's, there's people looking at us a certain way, but we believe in objective truth. Um, and I don't, when I say truth, I don't mean like this isn't to compare things to like biblical Christ reigning truth, but truth amongst uh, amongst the people in the space in which you um, exist with. And uh, we battle for that and uh, we lose things for it, but we, we want to do it for y'all. That's why we do it. We do it for y'all listening to us and other listeners that will listen and um, will be at least given an objective viewpoint to consider their positions. It's worth it to me. Indeed. We'll catch you guys next week. It's Right Hook, Left Jaw. God bless.